Good evening, everyone. My name is Jean, also known as Jean B, and uh, I am a food addict. I qualify to speak on this meeting because I've been abstinent now for over 19 years. And when I came into program, I weighed close to 250 pounds. That was back in 2004. And I have released over 125 pounds and kept it off. Or as uh, one of my friends from my old dog training club said, that if I ever wanted to know what that 125 pounds felt like, she'd be happy to come sit on my back. And I said, thank you, that's not necessary. I know exactly what it felt like. <laughs> and uh, I was very glad to be rid of it because uh, it meant, among other things, that I was more able to be more physically active. Um, I could do things like climb a flight of stairs and not run out of breath or uh, have to stop walking partway up a hill because I was out of breath. Um, it reduced the amount of uh, edema or swelling in my legs, particularly in the summertime. I would get, uh, you know, fluid build up in my legs, and that was very uncomfortable. And I found, too, that after I lost all that weight, um, I was actually able to fit into clothing that I hadn't worn since my college days and still fit, which was pretty amazing. You know, I found some stuff in the back of the closet that I hadn't worn in years, and it fit. There was a time when um, my intergroup, at the time I was in the Boston area, had a face-to-face -face intergroup, and they had a uh, they they had a, a a workshop, and they did what they called a clothing swap, where you could take your older uh, clothing that no longer fit because it was too big for you, and bring in some old clothing, and they weren't necessarily saying bring in one and take one. They just said, here, you know, bring in whatever you've got that you want to get rid of, and you can take whatever whatever fits you. And I remember going to this, and I'm, I'm kind of on the short side. Uh, I was, I think, maybe at my tallest, 5'3", and now I'm more like 5'1", because I'm 72 and I've shrunk some. But, uh, and I remember somebody there saying to me, hey, you know, there's this beautiful, uh, you know, like uh, suit jacket here. It's, it's a print. And uh, and I said, wait a minute, that says it's a petite small. I said, I'm not a petite small. And she said, oh, yes, you are. Uh, she said, you don't realize it, but you're actually, you know, kind of small boned. And uh, that I think this would fit you. And I tried it on, and lo and behold, it fit, and I still have it in my closet today. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that I think when we get to be, you know, into the plus sizes, that we forget once we lose the weight that we're no longer, you know, a 2X or a 3X or a 4X or whatever, that we're now back down to you know, what some people would say are right size. And I've been able to, you know, stay within my weight range ever since. So, I mean, my current weight range is like between 120 and 125. 
and the last time that I weighed myself, which was September 1st, I was 120.8 pounds. So, you know, that's that's good. It's it's healthy for me. And you know, I I can now walk up a flight of stairs and still breathe. I can I can talk to people. Um being in OA has brought me somewhat out of my shell. Um I was for a long time kind of a very shy person. I wasn't somebody who would go up and talk to people. Uh, now, having been in this program, as I say, for over 19 years, I've learned how to talk to people. And I can make, you know, I make I make phone calls. I do some writing. I've uh, been involved in various levels of this program. That is, um, I used to go to face-to-face meetings when I was in the Boston area. I came, as I say, I came into program in 2004, and in 2005, I found out about phone meetings. And in those days, they didn't have a whole lot of them. Uh, Sometimes there might only be one or two in a day, and I think there were one or two days when they didn't have any at all. But uh, living in the Boston area, of course, in the wintertime, there was snow. And sometimes you would find out that a particular face-to-face meeting you were planning to go to, uh, you'd get a phone call from somebody saying, hey, I heard that the, uh, you know, that the 10 o'clock meeting this morning, you know, if it was on a weekend or something, um, has been has been canceled because the, uh, you know, the church parking lot hasn't been plowed or something like that. It's like, okay, so I have to stay home for that. Well, let's see, can I get on a phone meeting instead? If I could get on a phone meeting, I would do that. So I'm used to being on phone meetings, and actually one of the phone meetings I was on years ago, uh, one week, it was an evening meeting, and one week we weren't able to have our meeting. It said no, that the line was not available. And that was back in the days before we had the free, before we had the free phone line available. And we had to actually pay for the phone line. And we had a treasurer. And the treasurer would always appeal to people to please so forth. And she paid for it on her credit card. Well, it turned out that I guess she had moved and her credit card changed. And the phone meeting company didn't know about this. And they didn't get their payment. And um so I called them up because I knew what company it was and I was able to find the phone number for them. And I called them up and I said, hey, you know, we tried to have a meeting last night and uh, we were told that the line wasn't available. Is there a problem? And they said, yes, you know, that the person's declined or something. And I said, oh, you know, if I gave you my credit card card number, would we be able to have a meeting next week? And they said, yes, you do that. So I became a phone meeting treasurer. And I was the one making appeals for money. And uh, we ran that for a while, and then eventually that did close. But then later on, I found out we now had 
three phone lines and got involved with those as well. And that was great because, as I say, living in the Boston area, sometimes the weather was just too lousy to try and go out. So being able to, you know, get on a phone meeting instead of trying to, you know, take a bus or a train in the dark or, you know, early in the morning for a morning meeting, it was a lot easier to just, you know, stay home, keep warm, and get on a phone meeting. And so that's what I learned to do. And being someone who was taught early on by my sponsor that one of the things that you do when you have the ability to do it is do service, I found myself volunteering for service positions on phone meetings. And so from time to time, I would be, you know, a meeting leader or eventually a dashboard person, speaker getter. Um, I was treasurer for a couple of different meetings. And I eventually be, ended up becoming the uh, treasurer of my face-to-face -face intergroup. And I did that for a number of several terms. And then, you know, I got uh, term limited out, went off, came back again uh, later. And it turned out I came back just in time because the person who had taken my place as the treasurer was now becoming treasurer someplace else and could no longer do both. And the, the person who was leading that meeting said, oh, you know, thank God you came back. You know, we were trying to figure out who we could get to be treasurer. You're an experienced treasurer. How would you like to become treasurer again? I said, okay. So I did that again for another couple of terms and uh, also ended up doing things like, uh, what? Um, yeah, I did bylaws. I'm, I'm a bylaws nerd. I, I love bylaws. Um, I, I'm also a uh, proofreader by habit, and I like to be accurate with things, and I read things. And I tell people that I can spot an error, and they said, how do you find all those things? And I said, well, I said, I read it, and it just seems to jump off the page at me that, you know, either it's the wrong word or it's missing a letter or, or something like that. And um, so I, I, I enjoy doing that. And so for someone who's, I guess you would say, one of my character defects is that I can be very critical. But for someone who's a proofreader, it's actually a positive attribute because I'm taking something that might other be, otherwise be a negative thing and putting it to good use. And so, you know, I've been able to do that uh, proofreading uh, newsletters and articles and things like that. But so this, this program has been very, very good to me. I mean, up until uh, 2020, I was working full time and then I retired when COVID hit and uh, moved down here to Florida. So now I'm retired and I'm able to do able to do as much service as I want to or as people will have me to do. And so as I say, you know, I was taught if somebody asks you to do service and you're able to do it, you do it. And so uh, that's that's what works for me. And I have noticed lately, excuse me if I'm on my soapbox here, but I have noticed lately that meetings are having trouble getting people to do service. And I wonder you know, if folks are just thinking, well, gee, you know, what about me, 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 you know, but 
reality says that if nobody does service, we're not going to have meetings. We're not going to have literature. We're not going to have a program. So if at all possible, I implore you, please uh, consider volunteering to do service if it's something that you're at all able to do. Uh, your meeting will appreciate it. You'll feel better because I know for myself, when I do service, it makes me feel like I am part of the organization. I'm not a spectator. I'm not somebody just, you know, sitting in the back of the room. I'm somebody who is helping to make the program go and not go away. And that's really the essence here of why this is a, why we say this is a fellowship. It's not a diet club. It's a fellowship. And we're here to help each other. And if there's something that I can say that will help someone else, thank you. I, f I feel good about that, you know, that if I can, if I can do something that helps someone else, I'm paying forward what was done for me back when I was a newcomer and people reached out to me and people said, yes, you know, stick with it. This is a good program. You can do it. And I did. And of course, I will add that uh, another one of my character defects is that I'm very stubborn. Any of my former sponsors will also tell you that. My mother swears to it because uh, when I was a kid, believe it or not, I was actually a very picky eater. I'm still a picky eater. But now, you know, because I work with my sponsor and devise a food plan, I'm able to have myself eat foods that I'm actually willing to eat and not being told that I have to eat vegetables that I can't stand. Um, and of course, as I've pointed out to people, you know, I'm one of the, well, I used to be a vegetarian and now I'm a vegan, but um, I'm not really crazy about a lot of vegetables. So, <laughs> but I've found things that I'm willing to eat and I make them part of my food plan. And that's how, that's how I work my program. I do, I use my tools. I can't say I do every tool every day. I don't do a meeting every day. But I do like three or four meetings, sometimes more a week. I make phone calls. I do writing. I read literature. And by having these routines, I'm able to stay abstinent because if I can keep away from the things that will entice me, and I mean, let's face it, I, I mean, there are things I know. Um, there Five are times, minute general reminder. Thank you so much. That when I was early on in program, sometimes people would bring things into work, you know, for lunch uh, that had a very strong odor. And sometimes I'd just have to, you know, either go back to my desk out of the lunchroom or, uh, you know, or, or, or take a break and go in the ladies' room or something like that just to get away from the smell of certain foods. Now I can be around just about anything and it doesn't bother me. You know, it's like it says in the big book that, uh, you know, that we can, we can just handle it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't bother us. We it's not that we've sworn it off or anything like that. 
it just doesn't affect us anymore because I know that however pretty it looks or however nice it smells, to me, it's like a dish of rat poison. I'm not going there. And that's something that I also learned was that, you know, if there are things that you think are going to call you, stay away from them, you know, until you're able to handle it because it's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that happens two days after you get abstinent. You know, it takes time. (coughs) Excuse me. So, you know, don't set yourself up for failure. Set yourself up for success. Sorry. Don't tempt fate. You know, consider what your limits are. And don't, you know, don't fool around with them. You know, it's like people who say, you know, uh, don't stand on a window ledge and expect that you're going to fly. It's not going to happen. Take care of yourself because you're the only you that that there is. And um, I like to feel that we are all children of our higher power. And our higher power does not want us to hurt ourselves with food. So with that, I will pass because my throat is running dry. And... Thank you very much for inviting me to speak this evening.